Okay, we're going to be in Genesis 27 today. We're continuing a series on parenting, and um, so we're going to talk about blessing your children, which is really, really important. Uh, I was always happy that my girls played sports. This is a couple of them playing JV basketball in college. This is Amaris, our oldest. This is Mallory, uh, our second oldest, and they got to play together a little bit. And I used to love that, and I like the fact that they still like sports, and so we'll text or call, and we'll talk about sports, especially Kentucky basketball or football or volleyball. They like that, too. And it gave me a connection, and has given me a connection, and continues to give me a connection with my kids. Elise plays. Um, Janelle played volleyball. They, she ran a half marathon or a half uh, Ironman the other day. I mean, they're all still active, which is good for them and has always been good for us. But I have to admit, there was a season in their sporting careers that I didn't love so much, and that's called T-ball. And uh, T-ball is really um, a device of Satan to uh, annoy uh, competitive dads, really is all it is. And I remember thinking to myself, um, when your kid runs down the third baseline after they hit the ball, that's not cute. I mean, uh, these parents would giggle and giggle, and I wanted to say, I didn't because I'm a preacher, but I wanted to say, hey, teach your kid how to play and stop wasting my time. That's kind of what I wanted to say. Because this is what T-ball really is. T-ball is this. Now, I say that to say this. I am happy that the girls played sports, and really they were successful mostly because of my coaching. Uh, really, I, I, don't wanna, I can't take all the credit, but I'm pretty sure it's mostly me. Now, here's what would happen. It would be a game, and they would do things. They would be good things. They would do positive things, or maybe they would make a mistake, and we would talk about it later. You know, we'd say, hey, this is some good stuff you did. I still do that with Elise. This is some bad stuff you did. Sometimes I don't even wait till the game's over. Uh, I help them during the game, and that, that's really kind of on me. But I remember this, and, and this is true of all those girls. They liked it. They like it when they get affirmation. When we talk about, hey, this is some things that you're really doing great. And really what I've enjoyed about my kids has been even a couple of them more than the others. But um, if I say, hey, let's work on this, they'll do better. They try harder. And as a, a dad, I think part of my responsibility is to help them be better teammates. And those, I mean, we talk a lot about, hey, are you a good teammate? Are you? It's not just about the, the sport itself. And... What's funny to me is I, I still remember my dad's affirmation in life. My dad's been dead almost 19 years. I still remember him affirming things that I did. I was a preacher, and he was part of my church. And I would, I'd love it when he would say, you know, that, that was a really good sermon. We need affirmation from our parents. My mom was here a couple of weeks ago, and we were eating lunch after church out on the, the back porch. And my mom said to me, uh, she calls me Joe. Joe, that was such a good sermon. And I'm an old man, and that still means something to me. So our words of affirmation to our kids, and it's more than just that. It's called, it's called a blessing, and we're going to talk about it today. We've got to learn to bless our kids. Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a book called The Blessing, and, and in that book they say no matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval on to your children, spouse, and friends. Many people spend a lifetime longing for the acceptance the Bible calls the blessing. So we're going to talk about what does it mean to bless your kids. Now let's review, this is week three of this series, let's review real quickly what we're learning 
First is the Bible is to be our guide, not society, not current trends. Scripture is to be our guide. The second thing we've been learning is that the home, the Christian home, is marriage-centered, not child-centered, although it's becoming sort of the the popular thing in our society to make homes child-centric. That's not a biblical concept. Thirdly, the primary responsibility of a Christian parent is to train their children to love God and to be obedient to Him. And part of that training includes teaching them the blessing. Now, oftentimes we confuse blessing with approval. And it's not just approval. So if you have a plant, let's say you had a plant. A plant needs five things in order to grow and thrive. Do you know what they are? Five things. Just call them out. Soil, water, sun. What? We'll call that 5A. Uh, Soil, water, sun, air. Air, yes. And a secure place, right? Um, I didn't want to read them. I thought you all could get all five. Three out of five. You all are pathetic. Anyway, okay. So uh, you can't like pull the plant up. It has to have a place, all right? So in their book, in this book, which I'm kind of going to refer to quite a bit today, The Blessing, they talk about five different ways we can bless our kids. And so we're going to kind of jump into that. Uh, We're finding this in Genesis 27. If you know about Israel and you know about really how God started with the people, he chose Abraham. He said to Abraham, you are, you know, I'm going to start with you, and you're going to be my people. And, and Abraham, God blessed Abraham, and Abraham had a son named Isaac, and God uh, blessed Abraham, and Abraham blessed Isaac, and Isaac blessed Jacob. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that today. But Smalley writes this, and this is really important. Every human needs the gift of the blessing, which is an unconditional, the unconditional love and approval that comes from a healthy relationship with one's parents. So let's talk about these five things that every child needs to feel blessed. And honestly, it still works. It's not just children that need these things to feel blessed. Now, children certainly need them, but I think most of us need this. One is meaningful touch. In Genesis 27, 22, and 26, it says, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. And there's this idea that these, uh, these, these are grown men. These, this is an old man nearing death who says to him, son, come near me. I, I want to I hug you. I want to I be close to you. I, we need to touch. And I don't know about you, but I tell you what, uh, I, sometimes I just need a touch. I need somebody to hug me. I need somebody, one of my kids. I love it when, when one of my kids just gives me a hug. That is a beautiful thing. My wife, uh, unsolicited, will give you a hug. That is a good, good thing. It reminds me of the story of a little girl, and it was stormy out, and she crawled in bed with her mom and dad, and her dad said something to the effect of, Honey, you know the Lord is with you. And she said, I know that, but I need somebody with skin on. I, you know, I, I, need, I need to feel safe. And sometimes we just need to feel safe. And Jesus did this all the time in his ministry. Uh, it says in Mark 1, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I'm willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. There's a doctor named Paul Brandt and he worked with, um, with leprosy victims in India for years and years and years. And he tells the story of a time he was working with a young man and, who had leprosy. And, and in his examination, he put his hand on this young man's shoulder. 
And the young man began to weep, kind of sob, kind of that low sob. And he was afraid he had perhaps touched a sensitive spot or hurt him in some way. And so through the translator, he asked him, can, can you please make sure I didn't hurt this young man? And the young man said this, or the translator said this, this is what the young man said. He is crying because you put your hand on his shoulder. He's crying because no one has touched him for many years. The, the power of touch is an amazing thing. Again, back to Jesus. Look at this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Uh, you talk about a different setting in life, a different societal view of children. Whereas we sort of almost idolize kids, and in some cases we do idolize kids. In Jesus' time, children were simply, <laughs> they were property. Um, girls really... If you had boys, boys could work hard and that sort of thing. And, and girls, you'd try to marry off. That's kind of how it worked. And, and you would have to provide a dowry to, you know, kind of to, for them to get married and, and get them off the payroll. It's kind of how that worked. That's really the way it looked to uh, Jesus' era. So when the, they were bringing kids, the disciples thought like everybody else thought in society. And that was, th- these kids are a bother to him. But they're going to bother him. And Jesus said, but when Jesus saw this, Uh, He was very displeased, and he said to his disciples, Let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. And this is what God is calling us to do with our kids. We we touch them. It, it, It reflects warmth and attention and affection. And when we don't touch our children, when we don't give them those hugs, uh, it, it can lead to loneliness and insecurity. Now, we have to clarify, I'm talking about proper... This is so sad that we live in a world where you have to say it has to be proper, meaningful touch. But it has to be proper, meaningful touch. God wired us to, to receive that affection. And... The Bible encourages us to bless our kids. Even Jesus here touched them on their heads and blessed them and held them in his, his arms. And when we do it inappropriately, and some people do, and it's so sad, it's an abomination to God. And so, just to clarify, this means a meaningful touch that's proper. But now, understand, when Jacob asked for his son Isaac to come and, and give him a kiss on the cheek, they, they were... Really, both of them were, were elderly. I mean, he was really old. Jacob was re- about to die. And, um, and Isaac was an older man. See, meaningful touch blesses us emotionally, physically, and relationally. Look at these benefits. This, this is some, some research I did. It can lower your blood pressure, meaningful touch. It can protect your grade schoolers from becoming involved in immoral relationships later. Uh, it adds up to two years to your life. Nursing home residents who have pets to hold, live longer. Doctors who touch their patients are perceived to be more caring and to have spent more time. Super interesting, this research. A doctor, two doctors come in with patients. The doctors that don't touch their patients, they spend the same amount of time with their patients. The doctors who don't touch their patients, don't put a a hand on a shoulder or anything like that, are perceived to be much less caring and spend much less time, even though the time is exactly the same. There's something about touch. UCLA research found that to maintain emotional and physical good health, you need about 8 to 10 meaningful touches a day. It it is vital to us. That's the way God has wired us. There was some research done by a guy named Mark Hollander, Dr. Mark Hollander. 
And he found that women who get into promiscuous relationships do so with the understanding that that's the price that they have to pay to get meaningful touch. They're willing to give up their bodies in order to receive the touch that they need so badly. So number one, proper meaningful touch. Number two, Speak encouraging words. The Bible talks about this a lot, by the way. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Uh, some of us have a hard time with encouraging words. We, maybe we didn't receive them as a kid, and so we are not good at giving them ourselves. We say stuff, I hear people say stuff like, you know, I don't want them to get a big head. Well, I don't want them to get a big head either, but you still have to encourage people. Um, I'm afraid they won't finish their work if I encourage them too early. Uh, I, don't want, I don't know what to say. People will say that. And then I, heard, I had a lady one time, and she said, praise is like perfume, a little is good, but too much stinks. And it's like, okay, but... Jesus said this, A good person produces good words from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. And whatever's in your heart will come out in your words. And so if you're not being thankful enough, if you're not thanking people, it's because you don't have a thankful heart. And if you're not encouraging people, sometimes, for me sometimes it was, I am so competitive, I don't want you to do well, because that means I can't do well. And the Bible just, we just saw a verse that said, encourage one another, encourage one another, encourage one another. We are constantly told in Scripture to encourage one another. That's why church family is so important. When something happens in your life that uh, a, a tragedy occurs, what do you, you don't, you want somebody to, to tell you to, to take heart and to be encouraged and to come alongside you and to hold your hand or hold your arm or give you a hug and say, listen, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I heard about one woman. Her husband wondered why she would never dance with him. He just he would try and they would go places and she just never wanted to dance. And finally, after they had been married quite a long time, she said, well, when I was a little girl, I was dancing in front of the mirror. And my dad saw me and he said, you, you're, did you know that your mouth looks funny when you dance? And for her, she never danced again. Sometimes we say these things and we're trying to be funny. I, I had a, a, a friend in one of my first churches. I was a youth pastor. and So this was a youth pastor. This was a youth's dad. And he had a daughter and, and she was sweet, a sweet young lady. And this guy trying to be funny, he, he would say, he would call her, this is horrible, he would, he would call her heifer. And he thought that was funny. And I would watch her wilt. And it wasn't funny. Now fortunately, we saw them when we went to Dallas last year, this year actually, and they have a great relationship today. And that didn't, hurt, you know, didn't kill their relationship. I think he had a change of heart. And he stopped doing those sorts of things. But we, we sort of direct our kids a little bit. Have you ever heard a parent say, hey, this is my son Billy, he's a little shy, and then Billy is a little shy, and they can't understand why Billy's shy. Well, you keep telling him he's shy. Help him know he doesn't have to be shy. And some people, they hold on to encouragement like it's gold. Like if they give it away, they'll never get it back. But the Bible tells us this super important verse. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Find somebody doing something good and catch people doing good and encourage them. Thank them. 
I mean, be an encouragement to them. I've never had anybody say, dude, you're encouraging me. Just stop it. Too much. You're too encouraging. Have you ever had that? Have any, has anybody ever had somebody say, you're just too encouraging to me? We, we don't do that. People don't do that. Miriam used to write little notes in the girls' lunches. And, and, and I would always wonder. She never wrote me a little note. But anyway, uh, she wrote the girls' little notes, put it in their lunch. And, and it would be things like, I'm praying for your tests today, or, or just, we love you. Little notes. And, and my girls still remember that stuff. Let me tell you this super interesting story. The little girl, she, um, she worked in her dad's grocery store from the time she was really, really small. And even after school, she would come and work in the grocery store or be around the grocery store even if she wasn't working from, from the time she was really, really young. And they had a milkman who would deliver the milk, and every time he saw this little girl, he would pat her on the head, and he would say, this is what he would say, how's, uh, how's my little Miss America who's so beautiful and talented? How's my little Miss America who's so beautiful and talented? Week after week, year after year, this milkman would come in and he would say to this little girl, how's my little Miss America who is so beautiful and talented? And when she got into junior high school, she started entering pageants because he had kind of put that in her mind. And then when she got into high school, she wanted to be Miss America. That became her goal. And in 1980, she became Miss America. And in her acceptance speech, she thanked the milkman. I mean, how weird is that? It's a weird deal. You just never know where it's going to go. And I read that story a long time ago, and I started patting my girls' heads every day. You know, how's my little Miss Millionaire who's going to take care of her daddy when she gets old? I mean, you've got you to put it in there, man. It's encouragement, right? You try to encourage them. A positive word, aptly spoken, is, is, is powerful. It's powerful to our kids. Now, we don't enrich our kids if we just... Say negative things to them. Do they need to be corrected? Absolutely. Correct them. Please correct them. But it can't always be negative. Sometimes you have to say something positive. And silence doesn't help them. Look at this verse, another verse from the Proverbs. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. That's valuable. Apples of gold in a setting of silver. One other thing. You don't always want to just praise success. Because your kids are worth affirming even if they're not successful. What if they tried really hard? What if they studied really hard? What if you catch them serving somebody or doing something good? You, you praise good things, right? You find opportunities. You text them out of the blue. I, my, my girls live away, three of them live away. And so I, I try to text them every now and then just to say, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. We think, we're thinking about you. And Every time I do that, they respond with, Oh, Daddy, we, we're so thankful for you. You set out to encourage them, and they encourage you. The problem with only praising success is two things happen. They either become workaholics, or they just sort of give up. They, they become withdrawn. They think they have to earn your approval, so they're going to work harder. Or they think they can't earn your approval, and so they just sort of give up. And so perhaps today's the day where you... Take a second to tell your kids, our lives have been better because of you. They're just better. It's not anything you do particularly, it's just you being you. Our lives are better. You give them encouraging words. Thirdly, you express high value. When Isaac caught the smell of 
Jacob's clothes, he blessed his son and he said, The smell of my son is the good smell of, an open, of the open fields that the Lord has blessed. I'm really glad that the author of this reminds us that it's the good smell of an open field. When we lived in New Mexico, there were about 100 dairy farms around, and the smell of the open field wasn't that good. So he's talking about the good smell of an open field. And again, we don't always get this language because we don't live in an agrarian society like they did, but an open field, you had to have money to own an open field. You had to have money to own any property. And then the smell of a, a good field would be one that's productive and, and flourishing, and it sort, of, it sort of symbolized reward and, and growth. A couple of Sundays ago, we had a lady from out of town, and, and she visited our church, and on the way out, she said, oh, it was just so nice, she said, she said you are so much better than my preacher back home. Which was kind of obvious. But anyway, uh, she said it, you know, you're so much better. And I was kind of, the head was kind of getting big. And then she said this, he can talk for an hour and say absolutely nothing and you do it in half the time. Now that, that really kind of knocked the edge off just a little bit. However, basically, I'm, I'm quicker at not being good than he is. So I'm going to take it as a compliment. But the Bible talks about this whole idea of expressing value. The tongue has the power of life and death. And when we place high value on our kids, we, we say to them, you, you are meaningful to us, that you're worthy of respect and you're loved unconditionally and, and we recognize your potential. Again, we don't excuse bad behavior, but they're always accepted by us, even in bad behavior. So how do you, how do, you do this? How do you express high value? Well, you put down the phone, you turn off the television, you have a conversation. You have meals together without the phones on, you spend time talking to them. Really, this is about time. Zig Ziglar, the great motivator, one time said, spend quality time with your kids and lots of it. You spend quality time with your kids and lots of it. And you place a greater value on them than on stuff. That's how you express a high value. This is the one of my favorites. You picture a special future for them. Just like that uh, milkman did with the, the girl that became Miss America. You uh, picture a special future for them. May God always give you plenty of dew, he says. This is his blessing. This is kind of his prayer. May God always give you plenty of dew for healthy crops and good harvests of grain and wine. May many nations become your servants. May you be the master of your brothers. May all your mother's sons bow low before you. All who curse you are cursed, and all who bless you are blessed. And this is an interesting verse because none of this had happened before he prays this prayer. And this all came true. He, he says this in such a way that this is a, I see this in your future. And we can do that with our kids. And so we study our kids. The Bible tells us that we train up a child in the way he should go. And we, we train them up in keeping with how they're designed. And so you begin to study your child. And you might say something like, you're really good with numbers. I can see you being a banker someday. Or you can be an accountant someday. Or you see them and they're really good with their hands. And you might say, I can see you being a mechanic someday. Or a carpenter. Or, or you, they might be really argumentative, and you might say, I can see you being a lawyer someday, or a husband, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you might say, you're really good at making stories up. I can see you being a journalist someday. Uh, stuff like that. So, that's funny. I'm sorry. That's good. Marina, you like that, don't you? 
Honey, I wrote that with you in mind. I knew you'd like it. Can you come back second service and laugh at it? That would really help me. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. One aspect of providing a picture, one of the best aspects of providing a secure future for our kids is when we focus on our marriage. Our kids need to know their home is secure. Remember we talked about the plant. We needed air and soil and water and those sorts of things. That we needed a stable environment. Our kids need a stable environment too. And so we, we picture this future for them. I, I loved what Jacob prayed for his son. May you be blessed with the dew. May God always give you plenty of dew and may your harvest. And don't we want that for our kids? Listen, when we pray for our kids, we pray... Number one, I pray for my kids that they would love Jesus more than they love anybody. (laughs) Whether it be their husbands or their future husbands or me or their mom. We want them to love God with all their hearts. That their faith is their faith, not our faith. We try to help them along in faith, but eventually that faith has to become theirs. We pray that for them. We want them to be successful in what God wants them to be successful in. And they don't have to be successful in my eyes to be successful in God's eyes. We need to understand that. The fifth thing is this. We have to make an active commitment to them. Uh, Again, here's our verse. May God always give you plenty of dew and healthy crops and good harvests of grain and wine. And I call this the talk is cheap principle because we can say, oh, I, I can see you becoming a great pianist someday, but if we don't provide lessons and we don't provide a piano, that's going to be a little difficult for them to do this. And so we pray for them daily. Lord, help them to become what you called them to. And we pray for their teachers because, good grief, I bet every teacher would appreciate your prayer. And we pray for their future spouses. And we pray that someday they get a job and they can make their own way and they can move out of our basement and have their own place and have their own life. One of the things I'm proudest of about my three oldest girls is that they live away and that they have their own lives and that they are making their own way. And it makes it a little difficult sometimes when you want to be around them. But listen, I appreciate the fact that they are making their own, they're making their own place in the world. God has given them these abilities and it, I'm thankful for them. But we... Provide an active commitment by giving them our time and our energy, and sometimes it costs us money. That's how it goes. And we discipline them consistently. Oh, this is really important. Look at this proverb. My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and don't get angry when he corrects you. Because kids sometimes get angry. And he said, don't do that. The Lord corrects those he loves just as parents correct the child they delight in. And it's maybe uncomfortable or uncommon, but understand a parent's who delights in his children, will correct them. It's just part of what we do, part of what we call to do. And just in case you're not convinced, let me show you a couple of last verses. All right, Because if God is our model, and he is, look at what happened when Jesus was baptized. We're having baptism today, so it kind of seemed like a great verse to end with. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the, Holy, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven, this is God's voice, said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And how many of us need to say to our child, This is my child, whom I love. With her, with him, I am well pleased. Because you want to know what? Your kid would want that. 
again, I'm an old man, and I still loved hearing it from my mother a couple weeks ago. I know she's biased. I, I know it probably wasn't that good. I understand all that. I needed to hear it. You want to know who I need to hear it from every week? Every week I need to get an assessment of my, of my job, my wife. I, need it. I still need it. People can tell. I did a wedding uh, yesterday. Um, sweet little couple. Oh, it was such a beautiful little wedding. And we did the wedding. And I won. At the end of that, I, wor- I worry, or maybe not worry is the right word. I wonder. I hope that was good. I hope that was honoring the Lord. And I hope it honored the families. And I, I, you just wonder, did I do okay? You, and people will come up to you. And sometimes you know they're just nice. They're just being nice. And I, I like that. I mean, it's nice for, to hear somebody say, hey, that was good. But the, one, the opinion I care about most, and as soon as kind of the dust clears and everybody walks away, I'll go to my wife and I'll say, how did that go? Because Miriam will tell me the truth. And here's what I love about Miriam. She'll tell me the truth, but even if the truth isn't good, she'll tell me in such a way that it doesn't make me feel bad. I love that about her. She can tell me the truth in love. And sometimes we have to do that with people we love. Now, Miriam really has never heard a bad sermon from me. So really, I, you know, I've really kept my end of the bargain and it's made it easy on her. But uh, uh, we, we need people in our lives to tell us the truth, but to know that they love, we know, we're, we're so convinced that they love us that we know they're going to tell us the truth in love. So let's ask the question, final question. How have you been doing blessing others? How have you been doing? Not just your kids particularly, but blessing others. How have you been doing with offering a, an encouraging handshake or a, a pat on the back? How have you been doing with that? How have you been doing with picturing a special future for people or offering encouraging words? All those things are things people need. And so as we consider... How does this apply to me? I know as a dad how it applies to me, but also as a pastor, how does it apply to me? And how can I be the guy who gives meaningful touch and words of encouragement and all those kinds of things? Because God will provide opportunities, and now we know. These are things that people are looking for. Now we know. We should do them. Father, we thank you for this day, for these words, for the example that you set for us and you showed us with your son Jesus at his baptism. We're thankful that today we get to celebrate that in just a a bit. Lord, we love you. We want to honor you in all things. Help us to um, be attentive to your voice. And when you nudge us to give those encouraging words, help us to not, help us to be loose with saying positive things. And help us to look for people who need encouragement and help us to encourage them. We pray this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.